Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, January 31st, 2019, and we have a bunch of things to talk about today. There's no real big significant algorithm update, uh, but we got a bunch of little tips that we have received from John Mueller Help Hangouts and uh, some tweets from the SEO community, and so I'm really looking forward to this episode. There's a lot of cool things to be learned here. Um, first, we'll talk about algorithm updates. I do think that something happened on January 22nd and again on January 27th as we have a few clients that are seeing significant changes that start on this date. However, um, only a small handful of clients are seeing changes and I think this is just a tweak to overall quality. I think it's possible that there's a link component to this, um, as it seems that some of the sites that saw improvements were sites that we've filed disavows for. Uh, it's hard to say 100% though whether this is link related. Um, I think the link algorithms and also quality algorithms are sort of meshing into one now, as uh, how much Google can trust your links seems to be dependent on things like your EAT uh, and things like that. And so it's getting harder and harder to say, oh, this was a link update or not. Um, Glenn Gabe had some things on Twitter where he said that he felt that the January 9th and 10th uh, Google update was bigger than actually we had initially reported. I, st I went back and looked at a bunch of our sites that uh, had seen some improvements starting January 9th. And again, I still think this was a relatively mild update. So it's been a while since we had a massive change in Google algorithms, which is good. I mean, for a while, we were seeing pretty much every week there was a massive change. I said this last week and I'll say it again. Uh, every year in February and March, we tend to see big Google updates. So stay tuned. It wouldn't surprise me if something big is on the horizon. If you are a user of AMP, uh, Accelerated Mobile Pages, you've probably received some error messages from Google. Something to know is that there's a bug on, or I don't know if it's a bug, uh, John Mueller said it's an issue on Google's side. And what a lot of people were finding is AMP publishers were finding that their AMP pages dropped completely out of the search results. And then they were receiving errors that there were problems with the AMP page. These were errors received through Search Console. Um, they're actually, in most of these cases, there actually aren't problems. And like I said, it's a, a, a problem on Google's side. So it's not like you have to go change things. So if you're seeing AMP errors, apparently this is fixed now and you should start to see your AMP rankings return. Um, I mean, certainly if you're still having issues, it's worth looking into the fact that there could be errors there. But uh, in most cases, we think that um, this is not something that you need to act on. So Google uh, told us that uh, some new things about Search Console. So most of you know that they are making changes where we have this new Search Console and old Search Console is still available. Uh, they've removed a bunch of things from old Search Console now. Um, one is the sitemaps report, the crawl errors report. Uh, if you're looking for fetch as Googlebot, it's kind of hard to find it now. It doesn't have its own section. It's in new Search Console under the inspect URL tool. And you can very quickly fetch a URL as Googlebot. So that's where that is now. 
Um, and uh, yeah, there's a few other things that are going to be leaving, such as the HTML suggestions. I haven't looked at that in a long time. Um, Android apps are no longer going to be visible in Search Console and a couple of other things too. So uh, I do think Google's doing a good job at... Um, uh, working on Search Console and making it even better for webmasters. So uh, let's stay tuned and see what they have in store for the rest of uh, the year for improvements there. Um, John Mueller mentioned that uh, they're still working, Google's still working on moving more sites to mobile-first indexing. They say that they've moved about 50% of the web to mobile-first indexing, and the remainder of the sites are going to be challenging. Uh, and these are this is because a lot of these sites don't have parity amongst the content uh, between desktop and mobile. And so it's going to be challenging for Google to look at just the mobile version. We've been preaching on mobile-first indexing for quite some time now. If you're confused, we did write a post on uh, our website. I believe you can get it at mariehaines.com slash mobile dash first dash indexing. And uh, any question that you have on the subject, we really should have covered there. So feel free to check that out if you still are confused about mobile first indexing and what it means for your site. Um, some people are noticing now that uh, related searches now have featured snippets inside them. So this is where if you do a search for something and it says uh, Google will give you some related searches, these have a little drop down and uh, these individual related searches have a featured snippet. There's been some discussion lately about, you know, can you add schema to win featured snippets? And for the most part, no, that's not the way to get them. But something that John Mueller said was that if you have really good structure on your pages, so make really good use of your H tags, um, write concise answers. If you have a table on the page, don't try to make it a fancy CSS table, uh, you know, that's styled in all these fancy ways. If you use just regular plain old HTML uh, for tables, this makes it really easy for Google to figure out that, oh, this is a table we could pull into a list for a featured snippet. So, um, you know, trying to win these can really really, really uh, help you to see improvements, especially in these related searches. I think these are the types of featured snippets where you're likely to see an increase in clicks as opposed to the featured snippets where there's some where if you win them, you basically uh, lose a bunch of clicks because you've given the answer in the featured snippet. But in a lot of cases, uh, we've been noticing clients having an increase in searches once they've, or in clicks once they've won the featured snippet. Uh, some of you in Europe may be noticing that some of the search results are empty um, on Google. And this is likely due to GDPR. Uh, we reported last week that Google got fined $44 million, which really, I mean, to me, that's a big deal. But to Google, that's not very much money. Uh, but they have to make some changes. So... Um, you know, I think uh, the thing to learn here is that GDPR is serious. And so uh, we have to be careful, what, you know, that we're complying with GDPR. Again, not my area of expertise, but it's interesting to see the changes that Google's making in order to be compliant with uh, GDPR. Um, if you have structured data on your site, the structured data testing tool has been updated and it now shows a uh, increased number of warnings. So if you're getting more errors on this tool, it's because they've added new warnings. Uh, so that's something to be aware of. There was a question recently on Twitter about, uh, which types of links to disavow and, um, 
the what the person was asking about was really what we call cruft links or ultra spammy links. Uh, you know, and he said over the years the site has just uh, accumulated a bunch of really ultra spammy links, and they wanted to know whether they should disavow them. So I'm going to read John's response verbatim. He said. Random links collected over the years aren't necessarily harmful. We've seen them for a long time, too, and can ignore all those weird pieces of graffiti, web graffiti from long ago. This is the important part. He says, disavow links that were really paid for or otherwise actively unnaturally placed. Don't fret the cruft. Now, John said something a couple months ago where he said, you know, the types of links where automated link auditing tools can pick them up as unnatural... Google's just already ignoring those. Now, we still disavow them if we're going in and doing a disavow or a link audit. Um, but these are not the ones that are likely to cause you problems. Uh, what we're looking for is links that are paid and links that, I, whenever I say paid links, people get in this sort of nuanced discussion as to, well, we didn't pay for the link, but we paid for somebody write, to write the content. And we gave that content for free to a website so that we could get a link back. That's still a link that we would call unnatural. Um, there are a few instances where that could be different. I mean, I'm not against all guest posting. You can do some guest posting, but if you do guest posting on a scale where it's really going to make a big difference in terms of rankings, then these are the types of links that could potentially harm your site. Uh, if you missed last week's podcast, we had a big long discussion on whether or not uh, links can still hurt you algorithmically. And John Mueller confirmed that in some cases, yes, if you have enough of these links that were made just for SEO purposes, then it can cause the algorithms to distrust all of your links. And we're starting to see that as we're doing thorough disavow uh, work, that some of these sites are seeing improvements. So um, again, we're going to be doing more disavow work. I've been working really hard on just refining our process for link audits so that we can take on even more business here. And pretty soon we're going to have a, a bunch of resources out there for um, for SEOs as well to know which links to audit and um, which sites really need a link audit. So stay tuned for that information. If you are a website that uses Q&A, so question and answer pages, Bill Swalski had uh, an interesting um, article uh, talking about um, types of schema that you can use for Q&A and how that can help you to get more features in the search results. So I would definitely look into that if you have a Q&A site. Um, we had a neat little thing in the newsletter. Glenn Alsop pointed this out and I saw it at a conference recently too. Um, so you've probably heard of the software Zendesk and one of their top search terms that they want to rank for is Zendesk alternative. So people who are looking for uh, a company that, you know, an alternative to, to their Zendesk software. And what they did was they created a band and called it Zendesk Alternative, bought the domain name ZendeskAlternative.com and uh, put a whole website up there. And they've won the number one spot for Zendesk Alternative. So I wanted to put that in the newsletter because it's that type of outside of the box thinking that helps you to rank for terms that you may not have even thought of ranking for. So, um, you know, a good way to find these terms if you're trying to figure out you know what are we ranking for that uh, you know we would prefer to rank number one for because we're losing clients to other businesses you can look in search console and look at keywords for which you're ranking position two 
Tatan. Um, and see, you know, if, if somebody is somebody looking for an alternative, is somebody looking for, you know, maybe your ranking. Here's an idea. Let's say you do sell a particular type of software and your main competitor is a company called example.com. Then what you might want to do is actually create a page that tells people what, how you compare to example.com's software offerings that they have. And you can write a whole uh, document on, you know, they offer this and this is really good, but we offer this, which is even better. And you can start ranking for people comparing your software to that software. So that's the type of thinking that can really help um, improve business and improve revenue for a lot of different companies. Um, I had some information in the newsletter about Google Lens and how Google, uh, Bill Swalsky reports that Google Lens um, can use schema markup. And if you are marking up your photos, your images on your site, uh, you're more likely to get seen in Google Lens. Now, a lot of you probably haven't used Google Lens. Uh, I just got a new Pixel 3XL, which is a fantastic phone. I definitely recommend it. And I'm very heavily invested into the Google environment. Um, and it has this lens, which is really cool. I put it up to some art that we have in our office. Uh, those of you who have seen pictures of our office, you've probably seen that we have a nice Banksy panda uh, art on the wall. And so when I put this up to Google Lens, it tells me that it's Banksy panda. It gave me a link to different places I could buy more Banksy art. Um, gave me all these different things. And so I think this is kind of in its infancy right now. But as more and more people get used to using Google Lens, it's something that you probably want to optimize for, especially if you currently are getting image search. So, um, you know, that's a, an important thing to, to look at. So if you're a site that gets a lot of searches from images, I would really look into uh, optimizing your images properly and making sure that uh, you're likely to be seen on Google Lens. Somebody asked uh, in a help hangout, how does Google measure author EAT? Now, almost a year ago, Gary Eish said at PubCon Austin that um, EAT is primarily measured by offsite links and mentions. John Mueller said something interesting in the Hangout. He said, you know, it's hard to algorithmically figure out these types of things. Uh, and a lot of things are soft quality factors that they try to figure out. But the important part that John said was that he said, we're trying to figure out how a user would see things. So what we do when we look at a site in the eyes of the quality raters guidelines, let's say we're looking specifically at author EAT. We look at your site compared to the sites that are ranking outranking you. And let's say you were ranking, you wanted to rank for medical queries and you have an article on this medical topic that's half decent, but it's written by an author who actually doesn't have medical expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, EAT. Um, and your competitors have authors that are doctors or they're even better, you know, they're uh, specialists in this area. As a user, I would much rather read content that's written by a specialist in that area than written by a content writer. And so we don't know how Google algorithmically determines those things. Um, although, you know, this is in the newsletter too. There was a really interesting tweet thread about uh, talking about, you know, how could Google algorithmically determine things like expertise? And um, uh, the author of this uh, 
tweet was had some really really good points just about things that Google could look at about um, you know if they recognize that this author is closely associated with other people that are well known as authors um, or as experts in that space that would be something that algorithmically Google could determine so the main point that I want to make is that I do think it's possible for Google to algorithmically determine EAT. I feel like we've seen lots of examples of this. And although I can't tell you exactly how they're doing it, I still think it's extremely, extremely important. Um, speaking of which, those of you who attended our webinar on EAT about a month ago uh, are probably looking forward to our next one. We are going to have a webinar on author EAT, specifically about how to improve the EAT of your authors, how to get high EAT authors, how, how to display that on your website, all based on things that Google has said, um, based on things that are in the quality raters guidelines. It's We're a little bit delayed in part two of this webinar, um, mostly because we're, well, it's complicated. We're working on some other aspects of the business and I'm doing a bit of traveling so we hope to have that out within the next few weeks hopefully so I'll keep you updated on that um let's see what else this was an interesting thing from the help hangout somebody asked about Cloudflare so Cloudflare is a content delivery network and uh if you're using it I mean a lot of sites it can help the sites go faster uh, there's a lot of benefits to using Cloudflare one of the things that we've seen, though, is sometimes when you're trying to do some crawling of a site that's hosted on Cloudflare, you'll find that uh, you're, if you try to pretend to be Googlebot, that um, Cloudflare rejects Googlebot as crawling uh, the site. And so the concern was, you know, what if that's happening with real Googlebot? Um, does it mean that you're going to have trouble ranking? And so it turns out that Cloudflare actually is good at detecting when you're pretending to be Googlebot and the actual Googlebot is not blocked. So if you're running into problems with crawling your site, what you may need to do is go into your Cloudflare settings and whitelist your own IP so that you can actually crawl as Googlebot. Um, so that's something that's new to a lot of people. I'm not even sure if I knew that before. So um, I know we've we've dealt with sites where, you know, other SEOs have said, I'm pretty sure this is a problem with Cloudflare because it can't crawl the site. And so now we know uh, if there is a problem with ranking, it's probably not due to that. Somebody else also asked uh, a really good question on location schema. Should you be using this on every page of your corporate site or is it okay to just have it on some pages? So schema, uh, what John Mueller said is they like to see it on your contact page. It makes sense to have it on your home page, maybe on your about page, um, but you don't need to put it on every single page. So, uh, I mean, if you have it there, it's not like product schema where if you try to mark up things to get review stars and that's not happening, uh, or and then and that product's not actually receiving reviews on that page, you can actually get a schema penalty for that. Um, you're not going to get a schema penalty for putting location schema on every single one of your pages, but it's probably not necessary. So I would only recommend it on the pages where it makes sense to have that information. Um, let's see, there was an interesting uh, Webmaster Help thread where somebody was talking about changing domain ownership and uh, a Google employee, I'm not sure exactly who it was here, one of the Webmaster Trends analysts said that Google understands when a domain changes ownership and, um, you know, if you're buying domains, expired domains 
for SEO purposes that Google's got a lot of measures in place so that they don't help improve your rankings. Now, I know a lot of you listening to this are saying, well, I know how to do it. You know, I can build a PBN, a private blog network uh, based on expired domains, and there probably are ways that you can do it that still work. Um, Please know that if you're buying up expired domains in order to either publish mini sites on them or redirect them to your site, in a lot of cases, those go against Google's guidelines. Now, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, if you were a local plumbing site and a competitor plumber went out of business and you bought their domain name and redirected it to your site, that's probably okay. But if that, if that same plumber went out and bought uh, high page rank domains that used to be museums and libraries and um, things like that so that they could redirect those on scale, uh, on mass to, uh, to your site, that's the type of thing that could cause issues. So we definitely don't recommend it. Um, those of you who are on the more black hat side of things, feel free to play around with that. But I certainly wouldn't trust it out, uh, try it out on a, a site that I need to rank um, you know, for perpetuity at all. Uh, so if you have churn and burn sites, hey, feel free to give it a try. And uh, it's interesting to see, you know, what's still working. Um, but again, it's not something that's recommended as uh, you could get a manual action for that. And you definitely don't want to see manual actions. Speaking of which, I've actually had a few more requests for help with manual actions. And that's unusual because it's been months you know, since I've received any emails asking for help. And then I got a big spurt of them uh, over the last week or so. It seems to be that Google has flagged a bunch of sites that are using infographics, uh, potentially widgets as well. And some of the example links that these sites are getting for their unnatural links penalties are ones that are not keyword anchored. Um, They're infographics where it kind of looks like maybe they've paid for the placement, but it's not 100%. So uh, my thought is when Google starts giving out manual actions for something that um, they, well, when they give out manual actions, it means basically that they don't know how to deal with this algorithmically. But often what happens is we'll get a link update a couple months from now, uh, an algorithmic update where people will find that if you were thriving on uh, publishing crazy numbers of infographics and uh, getting links from all these irrelevant places uh, because you're doing good outreach rather than because people truly want to link to your assets, um, you might find that you lose some of those rankings as Google gets better at uh, discontinuing or, or discounting those links basically. So I'm not saying that all infographic link building is bad. If you have infographics that are truly awesome and people are sharing them all over the place, then go for it. Those those can be good links. But I see a lot of infographic link building where the only links you're getting are from paid sources or from directories that only exist to link out to infographics. That type of link is very unlikely to, to help you at all. I wanted to point out a new tool that Nick Leroy uh, has put out. It's called Inspect Canonical. You can find it in uh, the Chrome store. I think uh, it's a Chrome extension. I think you can get it at inspectcanonical.com. So we're just giving this a try right now. And what it does is uh, tells you whether the page you're on is actually the canonical page. Um, and it tells you a bunch of other things too. So thanks for putting that together, Nick. And uh, hopefully we'll have more information on that for you in the next few weeks after we've uh, used the tool a fair amount. 
Um, let's see here. Oh, this is really important. Uh, if you are a local business and you're noticing in Search Console a big drop in impressions to your site, then there may be some type of an issue on Google's side. Uh, Izzy Smith was the first who I saw who actually published, uh, she did a tweet um, showing this massive drop in impressions, uh, but yet clicks are the same. And um, Glenn Gabe noted it as well. I believe that Joy Hawkins did as well. And we haven't really heard back from Google, but I think... It is some new way that they're measuring uh, links, URLs with UTM parameters on them. I'm really not sure. The main point that I wanted to tell you is that if you're seeing this drop, it's probably a reporting issue as opposed to an actual uh, drop in traffic to your site. So uh, take note of that. Hopefully we'll have more to report on that in a future episode. Um, Darren Shaw did an interesting test uh, by adding a bunch of unrelated categories to a Google My Business listing. And that can actually cause uh, your rankings to drop. And when he uh, removed those unrelated categories, then rankings improved. So it's just one case, but it kind of makes sense to me. So you don't want to overuse categories in Google My Business in order to try to uh, rank for everything under the sun. Um, and one final thing, it looks like Google My Business may be discontinuing the uh, p the availability of texting people through the SERPs. So right now there's messaging where uh, you can set it up and somebody can message you right from the search results and it, you'll get a text for it once it's set up. Uh, and it looks like that uh, capability may be going away. So just be aware of that. Uh, we have a couple clients that actually get pretty good business from um, messaging in the search results. So hopefully it doesn't go away, but we'll see. And that's all the news that we have for today. I am, uh, after recording this, I'm taking a trip to Detroit this weekend. My husband and I are going to go watch the Leafs play against the Red Wings. Go Leafs, go. And, uh, and then we're going to go find a sports bar somewhere to watch the Super Bowl for the weekend. So uh, those of you who are football fans, I uh, hope you enjoy Super Bowl weekend. Um, and like I said, what's coming up on the horizon for us is we're going to have some new information out on link audits. If you are thinking of having a link audit done, we're going to have some resources for you to either do it yourself or to hire my team to do it. And then we're going to be soon working on our EAT webinar. My next uh, speaking engagement is at PubCon Florida, which is in early March. And uh, that's the SFEMA conference. It's fantastic. And I would really, really recommend going to it. It's uh, uh, one of my favorite conferences. Plus, it's much warmer in Fort Lauderdale than it is in Ottawa right now. <laughs> and, and it will be in March. So I'm looking forward to that. So as usual, I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. And we'll be back next week with even more news. Mm -hmm.